Hey guys, this is Sean Williams, the host of the Shark Attack and Variety Bites and the owner of the Sean Williams Podcast Network. I'm hoping you guys are loving what you hear. As always, if you enjoy what you're hearing from the show, make sure that you can make sure that if you feel like it, you donate to help keep this revolution going. Just there's no real set amount, no minimum, no maximum, just whatever you feel like donating to help keep the show going. And I wanted to take this opportunity to also mention that this show also now has a voice message system. So you can actually leave voice messages with your comments, your questions, anything that you want me to cover on either the Shark Attack or on Variety Bites. If you want to leave your thoughts or questions about wrestling, make sure that you mention that that it's for the attack. And if you got something that you want me to talk about in sports or in entertainment, make sure you mention that it's for Variety Bites. And I promise the link for the voice message will be provided in the episode description at the end end of this show. So guys, make sure make sure you donate if you like what you hear. And of course, make your voice heard and leave your some leave your voice message on on this show. And because I guarantee you it will make it a good one, make it count, because I will also have it played on the air. So make your voices heard, people, and help keep this revolution going. Blood, this is for the tears, this is for my pain and my plight. Two walked in, but only one of us is walking out of here tonight. I'm a survivor. Fight for my life. Come on, let's struggle. I will arrive. I'm a survivor. Fight for my life. Come on, let's struggle. What's up, people? This is Variety Bites. I am Sean Williams, joined, of course, by Mr. T5 himself, Travis Smith. T5, what is up? What's happening with you? Ah, not much. Well, before we get into anything, man, we'd be remiss if we didn't acknowledge the, the unfortunate passing of the, le- the legendary and father of the rock himself, and, of course, Hall of Famer, Rocky Johnson, who passed away today. I mean, what more can you say about Rocky Johnson than everything? Well, pretty much his resume speaks for itself. But definitely lost a great one, or in this case, the father of the great one. Anything you got to say about it? I just want to say uh, thoughts and prayers are out to the family of uh, soul man, Rocky Johnson. Uh, he was definitely a great one in his own right. And meant a lot to, meant a lot to the culture, meant a lot to wrestling. And uh, like I said, uh, rest in peace. I agree. All right, so let's before we get into any... We got a lot of stuff to cover. Let's get right into football. So, the rest of the Hall of Fame list was announced 
uh, today. We already knew about Bill Cower and Jimmy Johnson, who this was their last season as an analyst for their for both the networks they worked for, and they they were and they got the surprise that they were going in the Hall of Fame this year. But I gotta tell you, with the exception of Donnie Shell, Bill Cower, Jimmy Johnson, and of course the late Alex Karras, really. I really didn't find myself that impressed with the Hall of Fame list this year. Well, yeah, I'm here. I I said I don't I don't know about you. I'm not I wasn't too impressed with the Hall of Fame list this year. What about you? Okay, I heard the, like the analysts and everything, but uh who made the like the the, the regular list? I mean, the players well, Donnie Shell of the Pittsburgh Steelers made the list. Um, mm-hmm. Alex Karras, the late, the late Alex Karras, he also right. made the list. Of course, anytime I see, I hear that name, the first thing I think of is, is Mongo from Blazing Saddles. Candy guy from Mongo. <laughs> Mongo like candy. <laughs> oh man. But um, Paul uh, Tagliabue, he's also made the cut. But right. yeah, there weren't a whole lot. They, there weren't a whole lot of names to me that really struck, that really grabbed me like in previous years. I feel like they're starting to run out of big names to put in the Hall of Fame. So they haven't done any like players. Oh, there's players. I just barely recognize. There are a lot of guys that I don't. Let me let me pull up the list here. Let's see. All right, so Steve Atwater, Carl Banks, Ron. Oh, okay, Rondé Barber. He, I re- know that, know him obviously. Tory Holt. Okay, understand. Alan Fanica, Leroy Butler, Isaac Bruce. But Paul Malu didn't make the cut, which I'm a little pissed about. So those are a few names that were on the list, but yeah, I just didn't find myself all that impressed with the with uh, their Hall of Fame they're, list. They're, the guys are deserving, but like you said, the the list right there is kind of lackluster. Steve Atwater should have been in. Like I grew up watching him, and um, and he I caught him to like his tail end, tail end of his career with the Orange Crush Broncos. Right. Um, Leroy Butler, we all know, we all know him uh, for uh, for the Packers and uh, uh, partially inventing the um, the Lambo Leap. Yep. And, um, man, that 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 list is kind of lackluster. Uh, to say both two members of the uh, greatest show on turf made it in one in one uh lit on, on in one try, man, that's great. Not one try, but I mean. On the same list, that's wild. Yeah, and I, like, mean, I would have made I would have made Tory Holt wait a while. Isaac Bruce maybe, but Tory Holt could have waited a while. See, they got uh, Pete the Saint. They they made Tim Brown wait as long as he did. Yeah, and like I said, the fact that you're not putting Troy Polamalu in there, what the hell? Yeah, that spot could have easily went to him. Yeah, I'd have put him in before Tory Holt. Like Tory Holt is deserved and everything for the for the for the yards and the work he put in, and of course 
course, you know, you win the championship, that all, that automatically dang near puts you on the list. But yeah, like the way they did to me, the way they did uh Tim Brown, you could definitely make Tory Holt wait a while. Yeah. But you know, I got no problem with the names in when I mentioned Bill Cower and Jimmy Johnson. I got no problem with those two. He probably should have been. Right. And same goes for Bill Cower. But um, you know it. I mean, I then the way they they found out the the way they just kind of surprised both those guys, especially when you saw Troy Aikman watching from the booth when they announced that Jimmy Johnson was going in. You could see the emotion on Troy's face. That's his coach. First, I saw the one with Bill Cowell because I watched the CBS um, pregame show, and that made me smile. I was like, I was so happy for him, and happy for everybody who was happy for him. But when I saw Jimmy Johnson, oh, man, I, could, I couldn't keep it together, man. I started tearing up for him. It was just, and, and to see uh, how, how happy... Uh, you know, his co-workers were test but Terry Bradshaw. He thought Terry Bradshaw was going in the Hall of Fame again. He was so happy for Jimmy because they've been working together for so long yep. on Fox News. You know, I mean, you almost forget, you know, that they've, they've been together, they've been retired and working together for that long since Fox started doing sports again. And that whole crew, Terry, Howie, they all been, and Jimmy, they've been together for like the longest and to see how happy they were for him and to see how, you know, choked up he was. <laughs> he yep. couldn't get it and couldn't keep it together. That made me, I was, I was like, oh, no, I'm going, man, you know. Everybody's like, you know, you, you went to football, you're, you're solid, you're tough. But it's moments like this where you get emotional and you just like, man, I can't keep it together, man. I'm not crying, man. Don't look at me. Don't look at me. <laughs> yep. It's one of those, I promised myself I wouldn't cry, moments. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, the, I can at least be happy for those, for those for those two and Alex Karras getting in there. But, um, but yeah, pretty lackluster list for this year. But, but you know, let's talk about the, uh, the Final Four is now set for the NFL. Which, speaking... First off, I gotta say this. Houston, you had the Chiefs on the ropes. You had you basically had both your hands on their throat. And it went from you guys having them in a chokehold to to the Chiefs ending up standing on your neck. Or in this particular case, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, you go from 24-0 to 51 to 51 to 31, you let the Chiefs score 51 unanswered points on you when you had them pretty much dead to rights. And, you know, first off, this I know everyone all asked always asks the is it the Houston Texans collapsing or the Chiefs come making the comeback? It's it's the Chiefs making the comeback. You cannot look at that game and the end result without acknowledging the amount of heart 
and whatever the hell Andy Reid lit up underneath that team to get them to wake up. And not only did they come back, <laughs> they came back and pretty much cracked Deshaun Watson and the Texans right in the mouth. And all I can say for the Houston Texans is somebody got some explaining to do how you blow a game like that. They had, man, it was ridiculous. The Chiefs started off slow. They started, they just started off slow. And the Texans really had not shown anything to show that they could sustain an actual drive. They, they got good field position. They got turnovers. They had good special teams play. They, it's not like Deshaun Watson and them marched down the field. Oh, yeah, they had a busted coverage. It's not like they marched down the field on KC defense continuously, continuously, and got 21 points. No. One of them was off a turnover. Another one was off a busted coverage. Another one was off a good field position. So it wasn't like, you know, oh, they just, they just dog rolling on them. They just rolling on them. So KC finally woke up. Oh, 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 wow. Oh, the game started? Oh, my bad. And went to roll and went right to work. And we saw the consistency from them that we should have saw from Houston. KC just went to rolling up the field. Short pass, take it up field. Short pass, take it up field. Deep pass, take it up field. Short short pass, short touchdown to Kelsey. Short touchdown to Kelsey. Short touchdown. Oh, you might want to stick that guy, Kelsey. Short touchdown to Kelsey. I'm like, bro. And then KC defensive side, you know, of all times, the playoffs show up. Yep. <laughs> Watson, you know, they was like, yeah, um, that 21 y'all got, that's all y'all going to get. <laughs> yep. I mean, some people, there's been rumblings going on about Bill O'Brien possibly getting that he might be on the chopping block after a loss like that. I'm not... I'm not he first off he did make he had he did make some questionable calls the last 2 weeks. Well, the, yeah, but whether it, whether it's enough to merit firing him, I'm not so sure, but like I said, somebody in the Texans organization's got some explaining to do, whether it's him or the general manager. Yeah, he made some crummy coaching calls, but I wouldn't fire for him. He's like, but then how they say a teachable moment? Like, dude, fourth and one, y'all should have had the play called ready to go. That showed like you you had like no nuts, dude. Like like uh like Tanaka said in uh, Major League, you have no marbles. That's basically what you what 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 you showed. And you wouldn't settle for a field goal instead of a uh Instead of a touchdown, you could have put your foot on the throat, like for real, for real. That could have at least at least fired your team up. Yeah. And then, um, and then on the fake punt, he had the right idea, but that's the thing you should have did earlier. That's the nuts you should have showed early on fourth and one. Yeah. And it wasn't. It wasn't that he picked like the wrong play. It's just that they had it. They had it well covered. The one he needed to beat that dude one on one, and he lost one on one. They practice that type of stuff 
in practice. From PE leagues, you practice one-on-one open field tackling. And he made the play. You know, it's more, I said earlier that the the Chiefs and uh, Patrick Mahomes were basically standing on the neck of the Texans. Patrick Mahomes was more than just, looking back, Patrick Mahomes was more than just standing on their neck. He basically was doing, he was breakdancing on their damn neck. Because they got, just rolled them. Like, just repeatedly, like, in a row, like, just consistently kicking them clean in the ass. Yeah, and whatever, whatever Andy Reid did to wake that, to wake his team up, dude is a genius. And, look, I'm pulling for Kansas City. I want to see Andy Reid finally get that, that ring that's basically the only thing that's eluded him his whole career. Now, I don't know about all that, because me, myself, I'm always, I'm, I've always been kind of, kind of partial to a good underdog story. And uh, the next team you're going to talk about, the Titans, that's our underdog story. We, we call that the Tennessee Road, the Road Show. Yep. I, yeah, I'm glad you let us into that one because, you know, I thought, I've had plenty of time to think about that game. And I've been saying, and I said to you and I said to JP that, to me, it's less about we gave too much credit to the Baltimore Ravens. It's that we didn't give near enough to the Tennessee Titans. The Titans, they were, Baltimore underestimated them. Everybody thought that they beat a wounded, gassed New England Patriots and that it was a fluke. You can <laughs> call that one if you a fluke if you want, but beating Baltimore the way they did at Baltimore was no fluke. You don't fluke your way to back-to-back wins against the number, against the the defending champions one week, and then the number one seeded team the next. So, and you know the weird thing is, it's not like Ryan Tannehill is the reason they're winning these games. They're winning for a lot of other reasons, but it's not because of Ryan Tannehill. For one, that week, that the first week, nobody gave them, like nobody barely gave them a, a, a puncher's chance to go in Foxborough and beat the Patriots. Everybody was still like, well, "This is when the Patriots are gonna finally turn it on, like they usually do." And nah, the lights didn't come on. Nah, 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 not gonna happen. Like they were all coming up with excuses, like. Why Tannehill's never won in Foxborough, and the Titans have never won in Foxborough? I was like, dude, that's because Tannehill didn't have the Titans, and the Titans didn't have Tannehill. That's what happens when you put two things that are missing each other together. If you put, if you got a race car, a radio control car with no batteries, it's not gonna work. If you have a pair of batteries with no radio control car, it's not gonna do nothing. Let's see what happens when you put them together. You get a W. That's what happens. And they went in, they went in New England and got that W. But they're like, yeah, that's a fluke. Yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. Baltimore, oh, they're going to, oh, Lamar's going to roll on them. And we all thought that. We all thought. I, th- I knew it was going to be a tough game, but I didn't think it was going to be like that. I didn't think they were going to do Lamar and them like that. They beat them. 
them at their own game. Run the ball down their throat, play solid defense. They played some solid defense. They were like, oh, so you're going to throw the ball today, right? Wrong. <laughs> that yep. was, man, that was a game for you. So, I, man, I can't help but uh, go for the Titans against uh, KC because I definitely want to see if they can this, – this whole road tour they're on? Like, yeah, we went to Foxborough, check. Baltimore, check. KC, hmm. If they could do that, I give, I give, I give the the Titans to them. Man, this, man, this is gonna be a good one. <laughs> That's gonna be the game to watch, without question. But the only thing, and I'm not gonna say it's a sure thing. I'm just saying that Casey's defense has gotten a hell of a lot better than it has early in the season, and well, as proven with how they kept. How those thirty-one points that the Texans ended up getting—they never touched it. They never touched the end zone ever again after that, and it's because of KC's defense. Now, I will say this: if the Titans actually manage to get past Kansas City and they go to the Super Bowl, I have no reason to believe they're not taking the whole thing. And you know, I told—I was telling you this: how it, to me, it's almost similar to two years ago when Carson Wentz was leading the Eagles to one of their best seasons in years. And Wentz was looking like an MVP. He gets hurt. Everyone thinks the Eagles are toast. Nick Foles takes over. They're a completely different team. They go to the bowl. They beat the Pats and win. And right now you have Ryan Tannehill has taken over for Marcus Mariota, replacing him. And the Titans right now look like a completely different team. Well, I kind of agree with. I, I know what you mean, but I kind of. Uh, well, hold, hold it's on. Not the, it's not. It's not the same because with Mariota, that team wasn't doing nothing on offense. That team, the running game was the only the only bright spot they had, and they weren't. But they weren't. It wasn't enough to put points on the board. So that's why they were taking L's because they weren't able to put points on the board. They had a solid defense. But couldn't put points up, and that's why they were taking L's. When Tannehill took over, all of a sudden you started seeing points come on, and they got better and better each week. He he may he may put up like what 88 yards, 100 something yards, but it's enough to get them down the field and make you respect. So they can't put eight in the box. So teams can't put ten and eight in the box. So you gotta respect the pass. He can win it on his arm. I mean, when they played the Saints, it was the first time I got to sit down and watch a Titans game. He could spin the ball with them receivers. It's just that you got to respect the run. And they did that without um, Henry in the game. So with Henry, you it's like a double-edged sword. Like, you're either going to load the box up and try to stop the run, and he'll gonna burn, he's going to take over and burn you with the pass, or you got to try to stop the pass and, and hope for the best that you can stop the run. KC, I don't think, have gone against a team like with, Derek, with a Derrick Henry that can just like juggernaut you, like the unstoppable juggernaut on you and, and run on you. But then again, toss the rock too. And then the thing, the thing with the Titans' defense 
is they have the defensive backs to cover those receivers they got. So can they run the ball? Can they, you know, effectively run the ball against the Titans? That's what's going to make this so good. I get what you're talking about, you know, um, with Nick Foles and, and uh, Carson Wentz. The thing was, they were already a good team with Carson Wentz. When Nick Foles took over, he just kept the party going. He just made sure there was no drop-offs. Yeah. Mariota and um, Tannehill, Mariota wasn't getting nothing done. And Tannehill took over. He gave them the offensive spark that they had been missing. Yeah, I know it's not the same. I'm saying that what I was saying was there's sim- I see a sim- I see certain similarities to it. The situation is completely different. Like you said, the Eagles were already good with Wentz before he went down. Foles just took o- just kind of took the keys, but you would think that changing a QB where you basically built your system around him and then replacing him would have hindered the team, but it didn't with the Eagles that year. Now, you're right. With the, the Titans, it's not so much, it's not injury with why Mariota's replaced. It's because he wasn't getting anything done. But, again, Henry, I think, is probably, like you pointed out, Henry, I think, is probably the bigger reason why the, the Titans are in the position they're in, not, and it's not solely Ryan Tannehill. definitely see if three times really is the charm for Tennessee but on the other side you have well the Niners didn't really I'm not gonna say much about the 49ers they pretty pretty much did what I expected them to do against the Vikings Vikings put up a fight but if it's between Kirk Cousins or Jimmy Garoppolo I'm going with Garoppolo any day of the week and while on the other side with Green Bay and Seattle I figured that was a toss-up one to me, but I figured Green Bay was going to win just because Seattle was way too banged up to take on the Packers at Lambeau. And that game, he looked, uh, Aaron Rodgers looked like that bad man that he's known for. But 
So now it's a matter of can he be that bad man against San Francisco? Yeah, a lot of people might might try to chalk that one up to, you know, it was earlier in the season, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but they still beat you pretty bad, too. So <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder what kind of, you know, adjustments can Green Bay and Matt LaFleur make against that San Francisco defense because, man, Nick Bosa and them gave them issues, not problems, issues. And then you got Jimmy G and them. They're, they're running the ball. They have a three-headed monster that's effective as hell. But not only that, they can spin the ball when they got to. George Kittle, Emmanuel Sanders, Debo. They, they can spin the ball when they have to. Like they're almost like it's almost like Tennessee Titan football, except for they're getting they're getting a lot of teams with these shifts and motions and stuff. Like Kyle Shanahan has that that offense rolling. So, I, you know, Green Bay's gonna have a tough sled. Yeah, I think that game's going to be the harder one to pick, but if um, it depends which Niners team we get and which Green Bay team we get, but if it's the Niners team that we've been seeing, then I don't see how Green Bay's going to hold manage to hold up. That defense, I think, could it, it is more than capable of putting the pressure on Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers and the Packers might mess around and go back to that uh, to that uh, New Orleans Saints uh, footage because for some reason the Saints were able to drop forty some points on that Niners defense. That Niners defense has been crucial all season. So if they see any any cracks in the armor from that game, they may try to use that. Because the thing was, they like to run a lot of zone, and Drew Brees is stupid accurate. Mm-hmm. But Aaron Rodgers is kind of accurate. He's not as accurate as Drew Brees, but he's accurate enough. So if he's he's able to do or replicate what they did, he gives his offense a chance. Plus, running the ball too, they run the ball a lot more than the Saints do with Aaron Jones. So if they're able to balance the offense and keep uh, the Niners' defense on their heels, they stand a chance. Yep. Yeah, I would agree with that one. But, you know, jump sidestep into Major League Baseball. So, like Houston doesn't have enough problems. So, now, Major League Baseball has suspended their gen- the Astros general manager and manager for cheating during the 2017 World Series against the Dodgers. And the suspension is for one year. The Astros were quick to react by firing both of them. And then the manager in the on the Red Sox, who I think was part of that Astros team, they've parted ways because apparently he was going to get a pretty severe punishment if, if he didn't do anything. But, you know, I'm a Dodgers fan born and bred, and I'm not going to be one of those Dodger fans that are saying disqualify the Astros, take away their championship, and give that championship to the Dodgers. I'm not going to say that, because why? They didn't win anything. It's like, but the Astros cheated? (laughs) So what? We still didn't win. You think I want to settle 
for the Dodgers getting a World Series championship based on a technicality? No, I want them to win it. And any suffers, any true Dodger fan, in my opinion, would want the same thing. What good is having a championship handed to you on a platter? But as far as the firing goes, you know what? I can't help but feel like they didn't fire him for cheating. They fired him for getting caught. Yeah, I think I think I think the same thing. They got, they got fired like after the fact. Like, oh, oh man, oh, so we're gonna have to start for this uh, this one year. Like, oh, nah, you got to start a lot longer than that. Mm-hmm. You're fired. It was because they got caught. You know, and that's messed up that they they kind of linked. Uh, Alex forward to that too and it's like wow so man the guys on my former team got pinched wow sucks for them yeah we're also investigating you too what the hell what you mean well, I didn't do nothing yeah Nick did you end up losing your job what they gotta do with me <laughs> so he got fired too I was like oh hell no nah, huh? I ain't doing nothing without the hell you were there like oh, I'm on a whole other team now that reminds me of what uh, <laughs> that reminds me of uh, Goodfellas when everybody started getting pitched and they started getting pitched left and right. <laughs> that's that's what you would call that's uh that's Boston. Oh, oh, you're not about to mess our team up. You're fired. <laughs> Next thing you know, Houston's like, oh, you're fired. You're fired. Like what you mean? Shit, they waste no time. They're like, man, funny mess around and take this championship from us, man. Y'all, y'all, y'all gotta go. Y'all making us look bad. The only reason they're trying to make it look like he ain't had nothing to do with that drip. Like, you know what? I just sit back here and, 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 and write checks. I ain't had nothing to do with that. <laughs> so, it's, it's a bad look all around, man. It's a real bad look. Now, I think the bare minimum to me, I, I agree that I think Major League Baseball ought to disqualify the Astros and take away the championship. I'm just not I'm just saying don't give it to to the Dodgers since they didn't win anything, but I think you need to do something like this to make an example and to make sure no other team does this crap again. But no one major league baseball they're not going to do that. I agree. Um, yeah, don't go hand the Dodgers. Nobody wants a default ring. Default, default. Nobody wants one of those rings, man. They want you still had to go out and play. You still had to go out and you know, even if they wouldn't have cheated, you would have still had to go out and, and compete. And the Astros had a real good team, you know, so either way, even if they even if they wouldn't have cheated, you still would have had to go out and beat them. Because that was a real good series anyway. Yeah. But you know, um, Major League Baseball, oh my goodness, Major League Baseball could be so funky sometimes mm-hmm. with their traditions and their rules and all this good stuff. Because it was like people, teams were passing the, the, the script around. They're like, um, hey, uh, word on the street is you got the cheat sheet to the Dodgers. Like, yeah, maybe. Why? You want one? Next thing you know, Boston got it. Next thing you know, probably Colorado knows somebody who knows somebody and they got it. Next thing you know, Florida got it. Next thing you know, Chicago got it. And everybody passing the cheat sheet around. Yeah, I heard you play the Dodgers next week. Three-game stretch, right? 
yeah. You want this cheat sheet I got? So it's not like every, like nobody else is doing it. It's just that they got pinched for it. Yep. Yeah, but it, even if they don't take away the championship, that's still forever for from now till the end of time going to be a tainted championship for Houston. So enjoy. Basically, it'll be the equivalent of fool's gold. So Houston, enjoy your tainted victory. But you know, sp- uh, quick quick uh, warning to everybody gonna be some spoilers when we talk about this so you might want to skip ahead a little bit if you haven't watched it but dude best crossover ever nah 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 Tim Hardaway had the best crossover ever followed by Alan Iverson and then okay I'm lying I'm lying this is the best crossover <laughs> ever well played good sir but you know um First and foremost, I gotta say, even though there's still two episodes left, which I'll be damned if I know what they're gonna do with uh, the final two episodes of Arrow, but, I mean, we already know with one of them, but the other one, I don't know. But I gotta say that, to me, this was a truly fitting end for the character of Oliver Queen. I mean, the way, the way he went, the way he went out, I mean, what more could you ask for? Go ahead. Man, like, dude. Hold on, man. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Man, like, when you, when you first started Arrow and you got a hold of this character and to see the ups and the downs and, you know, a lot of people were like, ah, I hate Arrow now. Oh, this Arrow sucks. And then... Then they're like, okay, we're back on, we're back on, and you know, it's been this this, this long, wild ride. But this happens with all your favorite shows and stuff. You get in touch, you get invested in certain these characters. We all got invested in Oliver Queen becoming the Arrow or Green Arrow, and the ups and the downs of the show and everything. And to see him go out like this, the way he did, was so fitting. And it was just, man, you just, you had all the feels and stuff, man. You know, when one of your favorite characters does something epic. And that's what being a hero is all about, you know? Taking one for your friends, taking one for the team, taking one for our humanity, doing what needs to be done for the greater good, not for yourself. Yeah. Of course, he he probably could have, Wished himself, you know, in a new life or something other than the fact. No. He, he, like, he thought of, he was thinking about Cal, a.k.a. Supergirl. He was thinking about Barry the Flash. He was thinking about his friends. They need to go on. Like they said uh, during the show, like he told Barry, it's not about dying. It's about the folks that's got to live. And what they got to do after that. And he passed that torch, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he he knew that the world would be would be safe because it would have it would have Kara, it would have Barry, it would have Sarah, it would be it would have all the heroes in there. And 
I mean, I gotta admit, the last part of that of that crossover, it was heartbreaking when they realized they were all back, everything was kind of back to normal, but Oliver was gone, still. I mean, you saw Sarah, she took it probably the hardest of anybody. But, um, you know, I called it the whole, the now one, the multiple Earths with all the other shows that are now one. But, you know, with the rest of the multiverse kind of put back together, because we saw Earth 2 is back in, back in formation. I gotta think, with Earth 2 back, that means, like, Jesse Quick and Harry, Harry Wells, they gotta be alive again. And probably a lot, a lot of other characters we thought were were lost during the crisis. They, my guess is they got to be restored, like Jay Garrick, and probably some other people. So I mean, that... yeah, I think I think I think there's a possibility. Like you said, when all the uh, the, the multiple Earths got re the multiverse got restored. Um, we saw the Titans have their own their own uh, multiverse with uh, the Doom Patrol, uh, the other uh, multiverses. The, the Kingdom Come Superman has is, is back. Uh, all these other multiverses still alive, so it's a possibility. Yeah, it's a, like uh, I know we're gonna uh, gonna roll into this a little bit later, but yeah, um, if. If, uh, when you restored everything and it all rolled into the one Earth, you know, um, Black Lightning is back and he has his family. And of course, um, Diggle has two kids now instead of one, <laughs> which I thought was pretty weird. I was like, he went from having, he went from having, at first it was a girl, then it was a boy, and now he has both kids. So I thought that was kind of wild. And then Superman, he has two kids. And it was like, what? He was like, yeah, the kids, plural. I was like, Ugh. Yeah, but I, I think of those as kind of a, probably a parting gift from Oliver. Because, I mean, it shook, it, it took a, it took a toll on John that, First, they had a daughter that they named after Sarah. Then they didn't because Barry screwed up the timeline. But now, like, that's been fixed. But, man, I mean, so much crazy. I mean, they even pointed out that Argo's been restored. So that means, so Kara's mom and the surviving Kryptonians on Argo, they're back. I'm guess, I'm, I can only assume that, um... The Martians on Mars, including Magan and Malefic, they're they're back. So, a lot of possibility. This was a definite game changer. Cause, cause now they're all that. Like you said, you pointed out Black Lightning. Now he's officially part of the Arrowverse, which I think was pretty much inevitable. Just don't call him Sparkles. Right. <laughs> He didn't like it when Mick called him Sparkles. <laughs> <laughs> that was wild. No, he did not. <laughs> and seriously, I Mick still is funny as hell. A book signing. Is he? Uh, do I call him 
And when he's when he's going out there with the flame gun and says about the giant Bebo, that big bastard ruined my book signing. And like when Renee was pouring out, pouring the champagne, and Mick goes, "What the hell is that? Alcohol?" Alcohol. And he pours the he pushes the glass back out. Don't come between Mick and don't become don't come between Mick Rory and and booze. But I liked Frost saying, I read your book, Rebecca. He goes, which one? I'm very prolific. <laughs> but, um, but you know, once again, I like the fact with this crossover, the Martian Manhunter, like, especially with the final part, played such an integral part in this. When he was restoring the hero's memories. Yeah. But, um, you know, I gotta give credit to, uh, Dr. Ryan Choi, the soon-to-be Adam. He, I think he's going to, when he dons the suit, I think he's going to do just fine. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people thought that this, it was going to happen during the crisis, myself included. But I think they're going to, they're gonna, since Legends uh, officially restarts next week, they're going to, you know, draw it out a little. So something else is going to happen. Because, it was almost like you were waiting to see something happen. You were waiting for something to happen already. And you're like, oh, here it comes. Here it comes. Something's going to happen already. And nothing happened. And you're like, oh, okay. All right. And they say, no. At the end, you're like, something's going to happen already. Something's going to happen already. And nothing happens. You're like, oh, okay. Uh, the show's almost over. Nothing's happened already. So I think it's, I think the, they're gonna make the move during uh, during Legends. Yeah. The of Legends. So you know, I'm all for that. Um, he had a lot another of. Thing is, another, another thing is, uh, where a lot of people were speculating what was gonna happen with the the uh, Superman and Lois show, and they were like, "Oh, they have two young men, and one of them, I mean, two young boys, and one of them." You expect you, you know it's gonna be um, Jonathan Kent. And you're like, well, who's the other one? And a lot of people were kind of speculating: could it be Damien? Could they be doing the Super Sons? Or could it be so? You're like, nobody had a real answer until just now. I mean, yep. that pretty much answers who the second one is now. He has two kids. Yeah, and yeah, and that you know. Now that it's official that the show has officially been that Superman and Lois has officially been greenlit to series, now you have Superman and Lois managing what they do, plus two kids. Now it's gonna get interesting. Really interesting. But I'm, I'm, I'm like dumbfounded and I don't know what to think with Lex Luthor is all of a sudden being hailed. By, by by National City and he Luther Corp is funding the DEO. That 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 is nuts. And you, come on, we all know Lex remembers everything. If they do, if the rest of the Paragons do, so does so does he. So all I can think is, what the heck is he planning? 
is the wild part. Like, how the hell did that happen? But you know what? It kind of fits because, you know, in a lot of the comic books, the, the public views Lex Luthor as this this savior. He's he's got the he's got humanity's best interest in heart, uh, and he's always looking for looking out for humanity. You know, against these these you know metahumans or against these aliens. He's 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 humanity's champion, or he's he's the president, whatever. You know, so he's got a lot of people fooled. You know, so it kind of it kind of fits that he's leading. <laughs> He's, he's, he's leading the, uh, he's, he's running for president, he's got the, the he, well, not running for president, but I'm pretty sure he's going to go after that, duh. Yeah. He wins the Nobel, he wins a Nobel Peace Prize, and, and now, like, Luther Corp is, like, part of the DEO, so, like, and everybody's like, wow, what do you have a problem with Lex for? Lex is great, like, Lex, Lex, Lex Luthor, great. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and that he apparent that he is one of Supergirl's biggest supporters beside next to Lena, who now all of a sudden she likes Kara again. <laughs> but all I can say for this season of Supergirl, more of John Cryer on there as Lex Luthor. Yes, please. Oh, most definitely. Like he's definitely more than group. More than grew on me. Oh yeah, like, dude, dude is dude is Gucci as uh as Lex Luthor. So good. That'll do, Ducky. That'll do. <laughs> I had to say it. <laughs> I mean, I I mean seriously, he is. If he isn't my favorite Lex Luthor, he's definitely up there. I mean, he I mean he just you kind of you love to hate him. But he's just got this charm that you can't help but love with him. That's Lex Luthor up and down. Like you love to hate Lex Luthor, like you know he's a trash bag and you know he's in it for himself. But he's so slick about it, and he tries to convince you that you know, hey, you can trust me. Wink. <laughs> and he's got his fingers crossed the whole damn time. He's like, he's like the Uber. Deal. Yeah, I mean when you when when they're in part four when they're fighting the those shadow the shadow demons and after the battle battles won he goes so that's what it feels like to be a, a hero interesting but um yeah it's gotten me even more excited to watch uh, Supergirl on Sunday when that's back on but um. You know, the the crazy the other thing that I'm also intrigued by is Barry's headline never came true. He never vanished in crisis. So, now there's no like dark ominous future awaiting Barry Allen. It's it's a whole different ball game now for the Flash. Yeah, I think that whole thing changed. Um, like, like once, once the, everything, once the crisis started to happen, once uh, Oliver took over, I mean that that changed everything. Like, uh, 
like the monitor said, he's like, I did not see that happening. <laughs> yeah, and you know, something else that didn't happen. Or somebody else that we didn't see who told Barry, see you in the next crisis. No Thawne. And he told Nora, the Flash will vanish. Nothing will change that. So, <laughs> turns out Eobard Thawne was wrong. Unless he's not wrong, and it happens a lot later. Because the thing about the, thing about the Flash series is, is what's different from the comics is the comics has always established a Wally West. And when Flash, when, uh, when, uh, Barry eventually, you know, disappears in the original crisis, we got Wally West step up as the Flash. Now, we've seen this iteration of Wally West, you know, go away and stuff. What if he ends up coming back or a different Wally West because of all the things that happened, you know, all the different changes when Oliver uh, changed everything. So what if we get a different Wally West and this time they build him up to the way they should have built the comic book, the way they did build up the comic book Wally West. And he eventually takes over for Barry. And Barry does sacrifice himself in the next crisis in the future. Hmm. Interesting way Just of looking at it. Yeah, it's an interesting way of looking at it. I I mean, for right now, I just kind of look at it as all bets are off, and now there's a whole, it, like I said, it's a whole different playing field now for The Flash, because now that that timeline, or that headline that we kept seeing throughout the whole series... Now it's basically non-existent. But, um... But, you know, remember with the start of this crisis, a lot of things, like you pointed out, the Monitor didn't see Oliver's death on Earth-38 happening. But, a lot of things, but also the date of when that headline was supposed to take place kept changing. So, it's not the first time that we've seen... Uh, the future, the future changed on the Flash. Case in point, Iris's death. Yep. But um. Next, the next episode of Arrow is supposed to be the backdoor pilot of uh, what will become Green Arrow and the Canaries. And question I got for you. Can do you think this show with? Mia, or as I think according to the what I'm reading, Mia Smoke Queen, Laurel and Dinah, can this show actually work? Mm, I think it could. It's almost like a continuation of Arrow almost. Minus Oliver, and probably minus, you know, Diggle and some of the other characters. It's almost like a continuation of Arrow, in a way. So it's almost like, yeah, Arrow's ending, or is it? So, I don't, I don't know. I, well, I feel, I feel it can. 
okay, you just gotta get, a, you just gotta establish these characters, these these new characters. You got you have to become invested in. I know we we've had uh, the Canaries for a while. Of course, we've had chance to you know latch on to Mia Smoke Queen, but it's not like the same as how we started off with Oliver and Diggle and you know. Yeah, I'm on the same boat with you in thinking that it can work. I mean, anyone that thinks can can the actress Catherine McNamara handle uh, being the lead on a show? She did it for three seasons with Shadowhunters. So it's not like it's a strict, not like she's a stranger to that. And uh, Juliana Harkavy and Katie Cassidy, they've both gotten you. They've had more than enough time playing those roles, so it's not like it's anything out of it that's out of their experience. Yeah, the thing about it, the thing about it is, she's not gonna have to carry the show by herself. It may be Green Arrow and the Canaries. She doesn't have to carry the show by herself. It's like, uh, it's like an ensemble now, and it, and it, they're all gonna be trying to, you know, carry like one. Instead of just being, if it was just like Green Arrow, then you could be like, mm, then you could kind of, you know, wonder if she can carry it by herself because she's Green Arrow now. But since it's like a more of a team show and it's not just her, you know, she doesn't have to carry it all by herself. Yeah, but uh, it's, I mean, look at how it's worked for Legends with having an, un an ensemble. There's like no real lead person. It's just that whole that whole group. So who's to say it can't work with uh, this one for Green Arrow and the Canaries? Right. And, um, <clears throat> I mean, well, but yeah, well, time will tell. We'll see what happens with it. But, um, the other thing that I love, I mean, two moments where I teared up a bit with, with this one was when they're facing off against the anti-monitor and he gives them the chance to surrender, and Sarah gives that speech, and one by each of them say, for Oliver, before heading into the fight. But also, when they're doing the memorial at, let's face it, the Hall of Freaking Justice, what they're doing the memorial for Oliver, and Kara speaks first, and then Barry, and then Sarah. I mean, that was deep. Yeah, I like the uh, the part with the memorial. The the four Oliver part was eh, it was kind of cheesy for me, man. And I don't know, I'm not man. I, mm, that that was kind of that was kind of TV cheesy for me, man. Because you wouldn't see that happening. You wouldn't hear nothing like that popping off in the comic book or in a movie or whatever. That was kind of that was kind of cheesy. But the memorial at the end that was very touching. I liked that. That was. That was, you know, everybody had the, had their, you know, had their say and everything, and they had their last words, and then they lit the uh, little memorial they made for Oliver. Yeah. I liked that. Then they had the, uh, even had his own seat. Yeah. He even had his own seat at the table. Yeah, which, which you, you gotta know, you're eventually gonna see Mia in that chair. Just, just a hunch. 
But um, but uh, just that when they're sitting at that table, all I could think, the league is born. And like when Barry said, just some place for them to gather whenever something like this happens again. And Black Lightning goes, well, how often does something like this happen? And they all, they all have this look. He goes, oh, it's like that. And, <laughs> and like Kate going, oh, don't worry, I was the rookie last last year. But but when you see the Kate the empty cage and you see the name Gleek on it, and you're just like, holy crap, the Wonder Twins pet monkey. I thought that was pretty fun. I had to rewind it again and look. I said, did that just say Gleek? I said, hell nah. I said, y'all wild. I said, they're doing everything. And then I saw the outside. I was like, meanwhile, back in the Hall of Justice. (laughs) This is too much. Yep. But man, I mean, I just couldn't help get goosebumps over the fact we just saw the birth of like I said, let's just call it what it is. We saw the birth of the Justice League, Arrowverse edition. Yeah. But um, they're gonna have a hell of a time trying to top this one. But at this point, I'm I'm thinking just take the crossover and like it or don't like it because I don't see any way they're topping this one. The only way they can top this is. I don't even think they have the budget for it. Is if they go cosmic, or if they go with the Green Lantern Corps, or if they go like undersea with Aquaman, something like that. It's like the only way I can see them, them topping this. And they don't think they have the budget, CW budget for that. <laughs> yep, no, I don't think so. But you know, other uh, other entertainment news. So. I read this off of Entertainment Tonight that Whitney Houston will be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So that's a pretty big deal on that one. Oh man, that's cool. Yeah. But, you know, of course, Marvel seems to be trying a different kind of atmosphere. We saw the trailer for the new Mutants. And this week they released the first trailer for Morbius. So T five, did you watch that, and what did you think? Okay, first, first of all, like I was born in like eighty two, but I have like three older sisters that grew up in that whole MTV uh, era and stuff. So they all listened to Whitney Houston, and whatever they were listening to, I was listening to. So I literally grew up on Whitney Houston, like. All, all my natural life, pretty much. So, I'm so... One of my favorite renditions of the National Anthem uh, during the Super Bowl was hers. Like, she mm-hmm. nailed it. She, oh, yeah. She, she killed that thing. She so owned it. And, you know, the way her life went and everything, like, she was definitely gone way too soon and everything. Despite all the ups and downs, she is definitely, like, one of the voices of a generation and to see her go in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is 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 really good. It's really touching and, and well deserved. Um, I agree. As for the trailers, I saw both of them and I am for it. I am for it. I am here for them. <laughs> I, want, 
of like the New Mutants. I'm, I'm really picky about my, my uh, X-Men franchises. I'm really picky about that sort of thing. So I saw that, and I was like, okay. Ooh, okay. And I saw the different take. It's a different take than most of the the um, the Marvel franchises. Especially the way that, uh, that Fox did most of their... Um, X X movies and stuff. So that's that's one thing I was kind of kind of wary on. But to hear that Kevin Feige had got to look at the see beforehand, I was and he gave the thumbs up. I was like, Ooh, okay, all right, shit. If Mikey likes it, I like it too. <laughs> you know. So you know, after I got a chance to look at it twice, I was like, yeah, I'm here for this. I like the way it goes. It's it's kind of like uh, the New Mutants are in a multi, not multiverse, but they're kind of like in a, a fake, a fake uh, school or a fake uh, psych, psych uh, asylum. Psych, yeah, asylum almost. And they don't know they're they're in there. And they start to slowly figure it out. Man, that's cool. So, I'm all for this. I'm all for it, man. And Morbius, man, Morbius looks so good. You know, all I could like, say for both those, uh, all I could say for both those movies, they both better be rated R. <laughs> that too. That too. Um, man, I like the little little nods and Easter eggs they had in um in Morbius. Like the post, the Spider-Man poster, and oh man, J. Jonah Jameson and stuff. Oh man! So it's all it's so let you know the Spider-Man is definitely getting linked to this, and it definitely takes place after uh, Far From Home. Yep. Because they're like they're like <laughs> vilifying Spider-Man and stuff. You know, they're making a big a big deal and everything, but you can see they make it make it at least known that you pass by like ooh so that's happening or that happened and then you go on with the story so it's going to be interesting to see what else happens within Morbius and then how that ends and how that leads up to whatever else they have in store for Spider-Man I will say that if they pull this off and it and that movie works Jared Leto we finally can forgive you for Suicide Squad that shot where you see the white the white skinned face and the red eyes and the fangs I'm like oh there it is there there's the yep but yeah that one absolutely you have to have it rated R because he's a damn vampire I mean but you know I'm liking this new uh, tempo that Marvel's trying, and I think they're going to pull this off. 
Most definitely. I, like, I, I can't wait to see where they what, what happens next, where they go with this. Yep. So let's talk a little bit of wrestling here. So first, I got to give the congrats. You know, I'm not going to talk about the accusations and the scandal because let's be, you know, honestly, for the most part, I feel like that's fizzled out set after the Saturday where that broke out. That's pretty much fizzled out because you got nobody talking about that right now. But Tessa Blanchard did make history. She won the Impact World Heavyweight title over Sammy Callahan, and those two damn near killed each other in that match. I mean, those two went... To say those two went to war <laughs> would be an understatement. I did, because I did get around to watching that match. Holy crap. Yeah, they definitely beat the brakes off each other. Like, that, that was wrestling. That was wrestling. That was, <laughs> yeah. That was wrestling right there. And, and they beat the brakes off each other. And it was the culmination of a long story. She was, she had her, she had her hands full with OVE. They gave her hell. They gave her, like, man, they made her, like, trash. And she had finally gotten Sammy one-on-one with no OVE. And she delivered. And now she's the, not the knockouts champ, but the world champ. And Sammy's none too happy about that. Yep. He made his presence known in that, in during her interview when he crashed it via satellite that, this war between her and Sammy Callahan is far from over. And that he said anytime, anywhere, when he decides, he'll strike and she'll never see it coming. So, but also some of the stuff that he was saying that that impact was a dying was a dying corpse until he until he breathed life back into it. And even saying that even if Tessa is the champion they want, he's the champion that Impact needs. You know, I'm not I may not be the biggest Sammy Callahan fan, but dude knows how to dude knows how to gather heat. Ooh, Sammy is such a damn promo. And dude, the death machine, the Callahan death machine. He said he literally put his hands in the chest of impact. And pumped blood back into the man. I was like, bro. I was like, he's kind of not wrong. <laughs> he said, when I came here two years ago, I was like, bro, he's kind of not wrong. And dude, he's been like the constant, the one constant. And he's literally been the draw on on Impact. So he's, he's kind of not wrong there. But, you know, oh, man, he's such a damn promo. He's so good. And he's like, yeah, you may be, you finally got what you want. Impact's finally got what they want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, wow, this dude's such a heel. Yep. But um, the only thing I did, the one complaint I did have about that pay-per-view, I mean, well, I'm not going to complain about the tag title match because, frankly, I don't think that that Impact has much of a tag team division in it. 
I mean, it's basically the North and whoever else is left. But I had the biggest issue with the fact that Taya Valkyrie is still the Knockouts champion and that Jordan Grace was denied again. Now, given, I, I would have rather it had been a one-on-one -on -one match between Jordan Grace and Taya Valkyrie, which I think if that was the case, then maybe would we would have gotten a different outcome. But come on. At some point, whatever momentum Grace has, you guys are going to kill it the, more you, the longer you keep that belt on Taya Valkyrie. And having the same predictable outcome every time with her and his little stooge all always causing causing something that leads to Taya winning. That crap gets old. Cause let me tell you something, Ric Flair, he cheated, but he didn't always rely on outside interference to do it. A lot of times he cheated himself. But still, at least he did it in those times where he cheated, he did it on his own. I'm just saying Taya Valkyrie's title reign is running the risk of getting stale. Yeah, I agree, man. Like, she's done a good job as as, as a knockout champ, but you, like you said, it's it's kind of you know running its course. You know, you can only do you can only do the oh I'm the Uber heel with the with the stooge thing for so long before you need to drop that title, and you know everybody sees the, the number one the number one uh. Contender, the number one person next, next, next woman up is Jordan Grace, and they want it. And you know, it's starting. You you starting to get to the to the point where you're like, okay, man, you know, um, but you start not not to care anymore, and you don't want that to happen. So I think they need the the triple threat was was a way to get her. You know, a W to get uh, Ty another W and extend it a little while longer without having to pin Jordan Grace. If you pin her, then you can be like, "Well, I beat everybody," and that's where you—that's where you're running the problems. So, you know, to get ODB to take that pin, and next thing you know, oh, she's like, "Well, you didn't pin me, Heffel." <laughs> so you gotta—they gotta pair off this next one. Just like we said with um, Sammy and um, and Tessa, you can't do it no more. You gotta, you gotta, she's gotta win this one. The next time these two score up, Ty and uh, Jordan, she's gotta win this because it's starting to get kind of, well, it's starting to get kind of redundant. Yep. Now, look, I get that. And when I mentioned the North with the tag titles, look, I get the reason why they have the belts. Because, really, who is there to drop them to? They haven't got any legit tag teams that they can drop it to. Yeah, none, none, that, are, none that are, like, real credible. You have the Desi Hit Squad, but they don't have as much heat as the North right now. If you want to, If you want to put the belt on your top heel team, that would be the North. Not the Desi Hit Squad. Uh, you have Reno Scum who they bring in every now and then for a pinch. Reno, you definitely not putting them, the, putting the belt on them. Right. And, um, with uh, Rich Swan and uh, Willie Mack, you know, 
Well, Rich Swan was injured, so you definitely wasn't gonna um wanna um put the belt on them with one, you know, it's because it turned into a virtual handicap match. Uh, you could go with OVE, but you know, heel versus heel, yeah, you kind of you kind of don't want to run into that because you don't want you don't want to mess around and turn one into a babyface versus like a triple threat match. So, I mean, you, you kind of, you know, the North's doing a good job. Because uh, Eating the Page is a good promo. So, eh, they need to they need a, they need a fix that. They yeah. Need to build more, they build up the Rascals again. They need to build the Rascals up most definitely. Um, other than that, I don't know what else, uh, what else they got. Yeah. And, you know, I know that I'm not used to seeing a heel RVD. But this whole thing with him, that crap's getting old. And first I heard that Brian Cage signed with AEW. Then I heard New Japan. I don't know what's going on. It just looks like whatever it is. Doesn't look like Impact is gonna have him much is gonna have the machine much longer. first heard that, you know, I heard it was uh, from SoCal Uncensored, not to be confused with, with SCU, um, and uh, I, I kind of took it with a grain of salt, because I didn't hear too many of the other credible sources throwing it around, so I kind of took it with a grain of salt, and I still do, and um, when uh, Melissa Santos came out, you know, and said that, you know, it's not true, I'm his wife, I would know. You're kind of thinking, oh, she's kind of, she might be downplaying it, you know, because it was supposed to be a surprise. And, of course, <clears throat> some wrestling snitch got a, got a hold of it and leaked it out. It leaked, and, you know, it was supposed to be a surprise and stuff. So she could be downplaying it, or she could be legitimately right in saying that, hey, we haven't put pen to paper on nothing. Like, he's still weeding out, you know, offers from, whether it be a big money offer from ROH, because all of a sudden they have money that they don't, they haven't been telling nobody about. <laughs> or it could be New Japan, who does have money, and everybody likes to go to Japan. So, yeah, a possibility that he has not signed with AEW, and then there's a possibility that maybe he has, and they're all trying to work us. Yeah, you never know. But, you know, speaking of AEW, pretty big week for them that TNT has, renew has extended their contract with AEW through 2023 with another show to be added later on. So, clearly, AEW has done enough to earn T TNT's trust to getting an extension so early. I mean, they, they don't... Brought in the, they brought in those viewers that they didn't have before. Like, you got the folks that watch basketball, check. You got the folks that watch those dramas that don't come on TV, you know, don't come on syndication anymore, check. But what else do you have? And, oh, do they have, do they have their original shows. Those, those are pretty good. But, I mean, you know, they brought in a whole new demographic. The rest of the crowd, the rest of the fans. 
So they were like, yeah, you know what? Bam. Here goes a contract, my friend. You've earned it. Um, as for that, what that uh, second show could be, if I was them, I'd do a recap show. And I'd put it on Saturdays. The Saturdays are free for everybody. Ain't nobody doing nothing Saturdays. I put it on Saturdays like they used to have. WCW on Saturdays on the weekend. I put it on Saturday. And I make it kind of like a recap show. Uh, let Tony Giovanni or somebody do it. And um, that way they can tie in some of the storylines and stuff that goes on in being the elite and, you know, AEW Dark. And they can tie everything together in a nice little bow so everybody can keep up. But the folks that don't watch YouTube with being the elite in AEW Dark, you could see how, oh, man, this is what the Dark Order's been doing on there, too? Or, oh, man, this is what Hangman Page has been doing on there, too? And you can you can get all the, all the angles over. And you can get all the characters over. And people will actually care for the folks that didn't really care about Dark Order. Now you see what's going on behind the scenes. Now you see what they're doing on B of the Elite or AEW Dark. So now, you know, a recap show would be good because they still need to build up their roster. I agree. I mean, I think, I mean, they have, they've only been, I mean, they've been on TNT for about, what, three, four months now? Climbing on four months anyway. Because they premiered in they premiered in October, yeah. So, so yeah, about like ten weeks, I guess. But they they've gathered they've garnished enough numbers to get t to earn TNT's trust. And you're right, they still have more building to do. And I do agree that I think a recap show on the weekends would be a good way to go. You definitely are not ready to make a AEW equivalent of SmackDown or. Ugh, Thunder. Definitely don't want to be doing that right now. Nuh-uh. We all saw how that ended up for WCW. Badly. But, um... But I was gonna say also that, uh... Switching back to WWE. So, this week we're supposed to get on Monday... Lana and Bobby Lashley in a mixed tag versus Rusev and Liv Morgan. Somebody make the pain stop. I don't know what to... Man. My mama always told me, if you ain't got nothing nice to say, keep it to yourself. So, I'm just gonna keep it to myself. This... It is just, yeah, it's really just bad. Just no, just no other, no other way you could really describe it. I mean, luckily work has kept me from work or other stuff has kept me from actually being, being able to watch Raw live. And you know what? From reading the results, all I feel is relief. You ain't missing much. No, I'm not. And... Also, I think that one of the... I do find it intriguing, Buddy Murphy joining up with 
Seth Rollins and AOP. Only because I didn't see it coming. I think Buddy Murphy's proven himself to be a talent. And you're already putting him with, lack of a better term, the main eventer stable on Raw right now. Or at least the one that's kind of in the spotlight. I find that interesting. I like what they did there. One, because none of us saw it coming. And two, because it's very interesting. They put everybody in a very interesting situation. All right. First you had Seth Rollins, and he was kind of playing a maybe heel, maybe. And then him and AOP join up. Yeah, they're a heel group. It's It's a done deal. But then you have this match right here, and Buddy Murphy is still sitting on the side over there after he took the L to Alistair Black. He's still sitting over there. And you're kind of thinking, dude, how many L's is he going to take to Alistair Black? It's not even a rivalry no more. So you're thinking that. But then you turn around and like, whoa, he's still on the sideline over there. What the hell is he still doing over there? There's a whole other match that goes on. Guess who's still over there? Buddy Murphy. Okay, a whole other match goes on. We're in the main event. Guess who's still over there? Buddy Murphy. Still over there. You're like, wow, this dude is really distraught right now because mm-hmm. his ass is still over there. Sulking. Yeah. And... Seth Rollins like, dude, help me, bro, help me. He's like, that's it, okay. Yep. <laughs> and he joins in. And he joins in on, on, in the, in the beatdown. They beat down Big Show. And next thing you know, he's, he's joining with Seth Rollins. You're like, wow, it's like they just, that just happened. Like, like snap your fingers, it just happened just now. And it's interesting because you're kind of like, they got to do something with Buddy Murphy. Congratulations. We read your mind. So here we are. So, man, it's going to be kind of interesting to see what direction they go with, you know, AOP, Seth Rollins, and Buddy, now Buddy Murphy. Yeah. That's one thing that I think is a right move that Raw has done. The only other one that I think that they've, that they're doing that's right, or at least they did on Monday, and they're not doing a whole lot of right moves. But this one is definitely one of them, and that's Drew McIntyre. Oh, Lord of mercy. If they can have him be the one that faces Brock Lesnar at Mania, and he takes that belt off of Brock, and they, they actually have Drew McIntyre as the WWE Champion... I'll forgive the fact that they put that belt on Brock in the first place. Man, that's the thing. Like, the last couple of weeks, he's been doing these uber squashes. And it's not just like a regular squash match. Like, he squashed both members of the B team. Mm-hmm. That's a tag team. They both won championships. And he squashed them both. Yeah. And then you had him fight No Way Jose. He took out, like, most of his little conga line. 
Yeah. So he's been just laying the word to these to dudes left and right, and he's been looking like a kind of a badass. So this one now he's taking this kind of a badass turn, almost like a almost like a Randy Orton, you know, type, not heel but not face. So that's kind of where they're going with Drew McIntyre, except for the promo he cut afterwards. So you're like, they're kind of building him to where if anybody can stop uh, Brock Lesnar, it's this guy, because he's been whooping up groups of people, not just one dude, not just two, but a gang of them. And that's what it's going to take, because you see what Brock did to one Kofi, you seen him do what he did to one way, so it's going to take somebody who can beat up more than one person. So I can see that definitely happening, especially in, in and then the Royal Rumble come through, and he, if he wins that thing, I'm, I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. But, um... Correct me if I'm wrong, on Raw this past Monday, didn't he win a triple threat match against AJ and Orton? Oh, that too! So, and then the way he won it! And I it, mean... And he took out the he took out Gallus and Anderson with a Claymore. Right, so they are building him to look like just like if anybody can slay the beast, it would be him. Yeah, and truthfully, I think they've waited long enough to finally give in a serious push to Drew McIntyre. Oh, Lord, mercy, you're preaching to the choir. Like, having him go from holding, from being tag team with Dolph Ziggler, okay, cool, you got the whole Shawn Michaels, Big Daddy Cool comparison, okay, but then you have him, like, carrying Shane McMahon's bag for the wall? Why, bruh? Why? That did not need to happen. Let this man roll. Let him roll by himself. And we finally got it. So, yep. I, hope, I hope they stick with it and, and more power to him because he deserves it. Absolutely. And a couple, well, couple things that also took place on uh, NXT tonight. Bianca Belair has become the number one contender for Rhea Ripley's NXT Women's Title, and we also found out that at Worlds Collide, Mustache Mountain is going to be taking on a, even if it's one night only, reunited DIY. Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa are teaming up to take on Mustache Mountain at. At Worlds Collide, which we also saw Undisputed Era, they fired the first shot against Imperium at NXT UK TakeOver. Because they laid out everybody in Imperium, including Walter. I mean, is there any doubt of how good the Undisputed Era is? And you know, I'm just waiting for Imperium to retaliate. 
But man, if they could actually give us Walter one-on-one with Adam Cole, oh God, just take my money now. Oh yeah, that's a money match right there. Yeah, I mean, that those two one-on-one would just be epic. But I, I, I'm fairly certain we're going to see in the finals of the of the Dusty Rhodes Classic that Imperium and Undisputed Era, we're going to see them collide in the finals. I just got this that's, hunch. That's a possibility. Yeah, because even after Worlds Collide, I don't see that, that turf war ending with one night. I mean, after Undisputed Era laid them out on their home turf, I don't think they've for- forgiven or forgotten on that one. And even though DIY is reuniting to take on Mustache Mountain, Tommaso Ciampa made his, made his intentions clear. He's tired of waiting to get his shot at, at Adam Cole and getting his belt back. Which, you do not want to face Tommaso Ciampa when he's out of patience or pretty much anything that would make him dangerous, which is unfortunately just about everything. They don't call him the Sicilian psychopath for nothing. Well, but, um... I didn't catch AEW, but from what I heard, Chris Jericho got a little bit of retaliation on John Moxley. Did he? From what man, I heard, he, yep. He he brought the man. He brought the wood. He brought the wood set out. I didn't even think one of those little spikes on his jacket was removable. Apparently, it is. <laughs> it can be used as a weapon. Yeah, well, I guess it's kind of blowback for smashing the bubbly over Jericho's head and also stealing the car. Yeah, like, he, he, he damn near blinded this dude. Yep. <laughs> he damn near blinded by us. They, they all took turns putting the, putting the boots to him. Everybody got their licks in, and they left him busted. And just when Jericho thought, hey, he's not going to make it to uh Jericho and Moxley, like I've been saying, he's ready. He's most definitely ready. Like, I don't know what what else what else he could do. Uh, to to man, he's he's got all the juice right now. Moxley has all the juice right now. And Jericho's time, man, you're on borrowed time, brother. Yep, you're not going to get a better challenger for Jericho than Moxley right now. You're really not. Nah, especially where everybody else is positioned at right now. Right. Because you have a, 
You have Kenny and uh, Hangman challenging SCU next week. And they're like, they're having their issues, especially with Kenny having his issues with Pop. It's like he's balancing two different things. He has his issues. He's dealing with Pop. You have the Dark Order trying to recruit him through Michael Nakazawa. And you also have him and Hangman kind of, sort of, on and off the same page and everything. It's almost like he has to babysit Hangman because Hangman's been doing a little drinking, a little day drinking. So that whole dynamic, man, it's, it's like they're, it's like he's doing, he's balancing, he's like he's trying to plug in one fire, he's trying to plug up one hole, and when he does that, another one opens up. He plugs up that hole, and another one opens up. So that's very interesting to see what they're doing with him. But right now, he's like way away from the world title picture right now. So it's definitely next man up is Moxley. Uh, I definitely agree with that one. All right, we're going to wrap things up for tonight. Uh, closing thoughts. Well, T5, I'm going to shoot mine out first, and that is the Academy Awards. Really jacked up that you don't give Taron Egerton the nomination for Rocket Man. And that's one of a bunch of nominations you got that, that that the Academy snubbed. But the fact that you're not giving him at least a nomination, that's jacked up. That's all and that's all I got for that one. T five, closing thoughts. I might as well piggyback off of that right there, man, because they snubbed a lot of people, man. A lot of good movies, a lot of good actors, actresses and stuff. It's like, they're just, the the Academy has their, their picks and chooses sometimes. Like, they're mad, they're like, hey, we're cool with you making money and everything, but... We're not going to pay attention to who actually goes sees these movies. We're going to pick the movies the old, we're going to pick them the old-fashioned way, the way we like them and stuff. And they, they, they snub some of the, some of the best movies. I mean, they, they, gonna pick, they might pick the flavor of the month, whatever movie, or they'll go pick the classic drama or whatever. They just have, I don't know how, what is their formula? What is their format? Because like some of the movies that get that get nominated for like SAG Awards or Golden Globes don't end up being nominated for the Academy Award. And that's wild. Yeah, I mean, to this day, I, I mean, I've had my beef with a lot of the nominations at the Academy Awards, but like... Like, um, to this day, I still have issue with the fact that they never, that Hugh Jackman never got the Oscar for Les Miserables, which I still say was better than Lincoln. Gee, I'll do you one better. Hugh Jackman should have gotten nominated for Logan. Boom. Yeah, there you go. But, um... But yeah, the Academy gets it wrong a lot of times. I mean, I never liked, um, that was also that, uh, actress, that Aquafina. She didn't even get a nomination. Yeah, and I heard 
she did a real good job. Yeah, so that's even more jacked up. And, you know, I look, all the nominations for Joker and everything, I feel like, you know, it's almost reminiscent to when Titanic got not got nominated. Like, they, they didn't even pick it because it was a good movie. They picked it because it was a flavor of the month and getting a lot of hype. And I'm not saying that because of my own feelings about the Joker movie. I'm just saying that you're, you're only going by the hype. You're not going by the actual quality of the movie. That's kind of how I feel about La Talk about La La Land. Like, it was one of those hype movies because it's a musical and you don't really do too many musicals in, 2000, in the 2000s and stuff. So, yeah, I kind of felt like they kind of overhyped that one. And again, best, best actress and nom and a best movie nom. Like, really? Really? It's a damn musical. I mean, the, do you even remember what the damn story was about? Come out, man. And come out. And I'm like, you got movies. Okay, Titanic. I actually got to see Titanic when it came out. And back in high school, all of us thought Titanic was going to be trash. Is this overhyped drama? Blah, blah, blah. We sat down and watched it, and we liked it. And to say that, we were all in high school, too. I was like a freshman in high school when I saw that. Dude, that's saying something. Because we were mad picky. We were all like action movies and your occasional drama and this was a really good movie. It was it wouldn't be something we would have picked, you know, on our own. And the same way with Goodwill Hunted. None of us were, were like we would have saw that on our own. And that had a lot of hype to it. But it was an actually good movie when we sat down and watched it. There's every once in a while there's these type of movies that they hit you like that. We remember Mystic River. That's not a movie I would have went and saw on my own. I sat down, and they had a lot of hype to it. I sat down and watched that movie, and I was like, damn, this is badass. And I liked it. So, I mean, there's a lot of movies that catch you off guard that do have a lot of hype. And then there's some movies that are actually overhyped for a reason. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, some of the other movies that are nominated, like Jojo Rabbit, I hear great things about. You got Ford versus Ferrari, and also Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Which, set it, like I said, set aside my feelings about Joker, what I see. I mean, obviously, I even if I liked Joker, I still like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood more. And, I don't I mean, well, first off, I really hope Brad Pitt gets the Best Supporting Actor for that movie, because he was awesome. Right, most definitely. But let me ask you, between Joaquin Phoenix's portrayal of Joker, or DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which way are you more leaning towards? Ooh, you dirty bro. <laughs> Man, I don't know, cause 
was so good. And he's gotten snubbed so many times. That too. That's, that's, now see, that's the thing about it. He's gotten snubbed so many times that you kind of want him to get get this one. And Joaquin Phoenix, you, you've seen him, you know, get the W before. Like, he kicked the shit out of Johnny Cash, out that Johnny Cash. So you were like, yeah, he's already got his. But at the same time, I liked it. I was, I was, a, I was on the opposite side of the fence with uh, Joker. Me and you have talked about this, and I, I liked his his portrayal because it was different, and it's it's kind of dealing with more of a. It's not so much comic booky. It's more social uh, social outlook. On mental health and the way the way people treat other people and and the way he he's like a slow descent into madness until he's there. Then when he's there, he just embraces it and he wants to see the world. Burn. He's not even he's not even there yet at the Joker. He wants to see the world burn. He just wants to see. What happened to you if you have that one bad day? And it's wild. And that when once you once you embrace that instead of being like, you know, oh it's the Joker, he's gonna rob a bank and get chased by a Batman. No. It's totally different. Once you embrace that and you sit back and watch it, it's like, man, he's nailing this. Now here's the reason I would say DiCaprio for that for that one, and again I'm not saying it because of my feelings about the move about Joker. That one scene in Once Upon a Time, where they're doing that scene with him holding the girl hostage, and just how far like like throwing the girl down and everything, and how how much that got to him afterwards, like just that whole thing to me, I was like, oh man, that scene was. Deep. But, you know, I agree with you. I think, I honest, I truly feel Joaquin Phoenix got got snubbed when he didn't get the Oscar for Walk the Line because I thought his portrayal of Johnny Cash was freaking fantastic. But I'll give you, I'll, I'll do you one better of one that DiCaprio got snubbed out of. I really think he should have gotten it for The Aviator. Best movie in this category. Go back and look, and you'll be surprised. 
I like doing that sometimes because I like being shocked and pissed off at uh, the Academy all in the same breath. Like, you dirty rats, man. He so-and-so won that? Oh, hell no. <laughs> I like doing that sometimes. But like you said, you should have won for the Aviator? He kicked that way. So many good roles this dude has had. Yeah, I mean, so he, many. he didn't even get nothing for Gangs of New York. God damn, you didn't get one for Gangs of New York. I forgot about... Man! I beat this damn phone against my forehead, dude. Yeah, but, you, you know, um, speaking of which, uh, since both of those were Scorsese films, I did see The Irishman. I don't know how you felt about it, but I really didn't like it. It just, I and I think we've talked about this. It, it, it just reminds me that Scorsese's made better movies, and this isn't one of them. To me, it was I, but that's only because I've seen, like you said, I've seen better Scorsese movies. I mean, you said you thought it was all right, but you agree it's definitely not his best. Like I said. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm just saying. That we we can both agree. It's it's yeah, definitely not not definitely. it's definitely not one of his best. I mean, it. I mean, it definitely was too long. Everybody's joked about that. Oh yeah, I mean Ricky Gervais. <laughs> what he said of the Golden Globes is. <laughs> Oh, that was great. And also when they said, we had a clip ready to play of The Irishman, but it turned out to be 88 minutes long. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean... Oh, yeah. It... Um, but... It, I just feel like with DiCaprio, just give him the damn Oscar already. Either that or don't let him do any more, any more good movies anymore. Yeah. You know what? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Put him in comic book movies. That way we can ensure he'll never get nominated again. He'll probably, even if he, if he, even if he kills it, oh, let's make him Mr. Fantastic. And he kills it. Then you're like, damn, I actually felt for Mr. Fantastic. <laughs> 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 you're like, man, Mr. Mr. Fantastic, I'd be, I'd be crying, man. He was so good, he didn't even get nominated. Oh man, let me ask I'm you though. You. Let me ask you though with the Academy, with the uh, the the Oscars, the Academy Award. The what was a, off the top of your head? What was one movie that got a lot of Oscar buzz and even won awards that you saw and you're just like, what the hell is this? Like you just didn't get what the big deal about it was. La La Land. Well, besides okay, besides La La Land. <laughs>
that night I was sitting there, and I was like, it was like, you know, the, the premiere uh, Saturday night. And I was like, all right, cool. I heard so much stuff about this movie, so much buzz and everything. I was like, mm, I'll give it a roll. And I sat there and let it roll, and I was like, damn. I was like, man, they nailed out this movie, man. This is good. And I, I couldn't wait to tell everybody. I was like, bro, have you seen Mr. Griffin? Nah, man. Dude, you should. I was, I was preaching the gospel, dude. I was like, that's one movie that I thought was, you know, one of these Oscar overhyped movies that they do. And it actually turned out to be really good. Yeah, but I'm talking about a movie that got a lot of Oscar buzz, a lot of hype. You saw it and you didn't like it. I'll give you one. While you're you're thinking of it, I'll give you one that, for me, fits that bill, is the movie Traffic. The one that Benicio Del Toro got the Supporting Actor Award for. Is that Michael Douglas, Catherine Zeta-Jones were also in that movie. So, I go to that movie after the, the Oscars are done with my parents and... Were to see what all the big deal about it is. And, like, halfway through the movie, this is basically me. <laughs> and then my arm slipped off the armrest, and then I woke up and was like, whoa, what? I was like, oh my god, this thing is still going? Yeah, my parents just said to me later, they don't, that I was the lucky one. And that I fell asleep through that thing, because that movie was... Boring as hell. Man, I remember traffic, but I remember it being that damn good. <laughs> yeah, but um, not, not enough, not enough for what you call for for Academy Award nomination. Not even close. And of course, my parents have a deep hatred for the English patient. To quote Mike Myers on SNL, goes, what's to like? It made me feel like the mental patient. Like, they love, like, the Academy loves, <coughs> they love certain, like, actors. Like, because some of these directors are interchangeable, but they love certain actors in these, in these character roles and stuff. And when they do, a, when they do a movie, oh, they'll, They'll latch on to it no matter how many people actually went and saw it. I'll tell you to me what's one of the biggest snubs in the Oscars. Jessica Chastain not getting the best actress for Zero Dark Thirty. Instead, they give it to Jennifer Lawrence for Silver Linings Playbook. Once again, latching on to, you know, certain actresses. Not saying that wasn't a good movie, Silver Linings Playbook. But the fact that it was Jennifer Lawrence, you know, and they latched on to her. You watch Zero Dark Dark Thirty, you actually know why a lot of people like not only like the movie, but they like Jessica Chastain as a nominee, you know, and should have won it. Yeah, and that girl, she really just dives deep. She just transforms herself with whatever role she picks up. I mean, hell, the movie The Help, 
I didn't even know that was her. Until I saw the credits, I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, she's like scary good. Like very grossly underrated. Why do you think I was so pissed with Dark Phoenix? You had a high caliber actress like her and you wasted her. Right. It wasn't because she was in the movie. I mean, I didn't hate her for her character other than the fact it was a complete ripoff of the scroll. But it's just the fact that you really couldn't have come up with anything better for an actress like that. They did more with her yeah. in It Chapter 2, for God's sake. Yeah, and they had her submerged up to her neck in fake blood, for God's sake. Dude, all the blood, bro. Oh, man. That shows you how hardcore that girl is. That blood was cold as hell. That fake blood? Oh, my God. She's a trooper. That, that thing. Ooh, man. Yeah. That's for your art right there. That's for your art. And, you know, I did see Silver Linings Playbook, and I liked it. But, look, if it's between Jennifer Lawrence or Jessica Chastain, I'll do... I'm not saying this to say that Jennifer Lawrence is a bad actress or nothing like that. I'm just saying the level that Chastain is on, Lawrence ain't even close. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, Silver Linings Playbook wasn't a bad movie. It was a good movie. I just like Jessica Chastain's performance in Zero Dark Dirty a whole lot more. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. I mean, I felt more like I felt more invested in her role in that one than I did Jennifer Lawrence's in Silver Linings. And, I totally got it. Yeah. And I liked it. I liked it. And you know, and, like I said, the performance was way better. Yeah, and you know, I look back at, um, a lot of people felt Mickey Rourke got snubbed with The Wrestler, which, I admit, <laughs> Mickey Rourke doesn't have another performance like that left in him. But, I don't think it, it's not so much the fact they didn't give it to him because he didn't do a good enough job in that movie, they didn't give it to him because he's kind of an a-hole. Yeah, if you're gonna, if you're gonna snub somebody, snub it because... They had like a better, like somebody else had a better uh, uh, performance or something to that effect. Dude, I saw the wrestler and I loved it and I liked Mickey Rourke. And like you said, he doesn't have too many of those, you know, performances left in him because I remember once upon a time in Mexico. Yeah. <laughs> he was good in that, but he wasn't as good as he was in the wrestler. Oh, yeah. And you, I mean, Looking back with The Wrestler, I remember, like, even after the first time I saw it, after I kind of got introduced to Ring of Honor, like, point, like seeing I could recognize which wrestlers were in that. And, like, I was spot, now I was spotting Nigel McGuinness and just other guys in there where I'm just like, holy crap. Or, like, hey, it's truth. And just spotting a whole bunch of random people in there that now I recognized. Oh, yeah, that tripped me out on that one. Like, I sat there and watched it. Like, the first time I seen a bunch of dudes, and the second time I was like, man, I can't believe I missed that person. And I saw what a lot of people were talking about. Like, man, what you call wasn't in there, man. I see, 
I gotta love it when a guy comes out to Sweet Child of Mine for his entrance music. That's some indie stuff. Yep. All of that, that whole everything, is like you you can re- you can so relate to it. And I'm not meaning like you're an aging indie wrestler, but you see those aging indie wrestlers that are still hanging on, and they're you know they were mad popping back in like the something like that and they're still wrestling and junk and they've got these aches and these bruises and they do a side job or whatever whether we're going to grocery store or what and they're making nickel and diamond you know on the indie scene and stuff man this you totally bought it you totally invested in it and it was so good yeah, that part where that I know the part you're talking about where he's like doing the autographs and stuff. But like where the and you're you're seeing him look at the other old wrestlers and seeing how bad a shape they're in. Like one of them's got a catheter attached to his leg for God's sake. It's and one's in a wheelchair. You're just like, damn. Piper saying in an interview because the beginning, the first match that he re- that Randy the Ram wrestles and after the match is over, standing ovation in the locker room. And Roddy Piper said, Nobody gave me a standing ovation at the end of my matches. You just joke. Yeah, but, um, yeah, that movie, but. Yeah, that, again, the only reason they didn't give Mickey Rourke the Oscar for that one is because he's a dick. And he's got a reputation for it, and I don't think he's really ashamed of that either. Probably isn't. 
but um, but also you're you're in the same category as Sean Penn, which at that time they were gonna give they give he was another one where they give him just about everything. Like I said, Mystic River was a bad ass movie. They, I, 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 I eat my I eat my words on I eat my words on that one for real for real like he. Yeah, but it, that wasn't even Mystic River that he won that year. I think that was Milk. That was a pretty good move. Yeah, I'm just not sure if that was his that if that, I'd call that his best one. No, 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 most definitely no. Nope, I agree with y'all on that one. That's why I was. That's why I've had such an issue when Daniel Day Lewis got it for got the best actor for Lincoln over Hugh Jackman, is because that wasn't even his. That wasn't even Daniel Day Lewis's best. Best role. Like I said, the, the Academy gets latched on to some of these names, and not and they they just automatically like, oh, I don't even know who, who he's playing. Is that we're gonna nominate Daniel Day Lewis? Like, dude, have you seen the movie? No, you can't do that. Like, don't get me wrong, Daniel Day Lewis gets into these periodical roles. He knocks them. He knocks the damn thing out the park. Like, gays of damn New York. <laughs> uh, but like it's, like I said, you know, this that wasn't one of his best performances. Yeah, and like I, and you want to talk about a movie that was too long? Lincoln should have been an hour and a half, not three hours. Right. I mean that that. The only other time I saw a movie like that that was three hours long and should have been a lot shorter than that, it should have been half the time, was Pearl Harbor. Yep, there's another one. <laughs> I, remember, uh, I remember Jeff Ross at the Alec Baldwin roast. Oh, he was brutal with that one. He ripped on Alec Baldwin for being in Pearl Harbor, said that that movie was so bad you found yourself rooting for the Japanese. Damn. <laughs> I was like, ouch. It was like that movie was almost more horrible than the actual Pearl Harbor. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah, I mean another well, I remember that year with Les Miserables and Anne Hathaway got a nomination. I was like, if they don't give her that award for that damn movie, I'm gonna have to sucker punch somebody. You wanna talk about somebody that put herself through hell with that one. I mean, for God's sake, they cut her hair, they pulled I mean, obviously not not real with this part, but pulled teeth out. Yeah. They had her die of illness. Come on. It's like you got to give her something just for that. Not to mention how much you want to talk about. Everyone talks about how much weight Joaquin Phoenix lost. She lost so much weight for that damn movie. Ooh, I heard about that. Hell you see, this is why I would probably never make it in acting. There's no way I could transform myself like that. Like the mass weight loss thing. I've seen her do it. We've seen Joaquin Phoenix do it. We've seen Christian Bale do it for The Machinist. I don't think my body could handle doing that. You gotta be really dedicated to your craft and to your character. You're like one of these character actors that are like, I'm really fully immersed in your character and everything. So far, and you, you gotta actually lose weight. Oh, so and so 
so and so went through this. Well, I'm gonna go through this too to to, to, to see just how it is, how it's like. Hell, like hell, I am. <laughs> I said, I said I want to do good. I said I don't want to do that damn. <laughs> you like no, nah, I'm good. Nah, we just we just gonna pretend that I have. We're just gonna pretend that I have scoliosis, or we're gonna pretend that that I got beat beat as a child. Like I'm not going through none of that. <laughs> yeah, you're just like you're. They tell you what you gotta do with stuff like that. You you think about it. You're just like, what other options are there? <laughs> like, can I just? I'm just gonna walk around my. I'm just gonna walk around my Hollywood my Hollywood home blindfolded for a while and pretend I'm blind. That right that. I'm not gonna go do anything drastic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, you know, not even Frozen Two got a nomination at the Oscars this year for the animated feature. You would, I mean, given anybody I've talked to said it's okay, but it was unnecessary. But it's Disney and Pixar. You would think they would do that. They would throw that thing in there. But nope. So, I mean, and once again, they're doing the whole no host thing. I'm just like, really? They act like it's a big deal, but I just don't care. I mean, I know they'll, I know they'll never have Seth MacFarlane do it again, but you know, the year he did it, I thought he did pretty good. I like what he did. I like the review change. It goes, most mediocre host ever in the history of the Academy Awards. You know, that's probably the best review I've ever gotten, so I'll take that. And now that guy's rolling in money now. You that uh that apparently NBC now NBC's offered him a big deal and he took it. I mean, Family Guy is the whatever he's got for that airs on Fox, that's still going to be on there, but now he's signed a new deal with NBC. I'll be making some mad money. Top that NBC off. Money. Yep. Top that off with the Orville on Hulu. It doesn't suck being him. I like how it does. <laughs> yep. But uh, oh, I heard. Speaking of offers being made, I heard that uh, Monday Night ABC has made off uh, offer to Tony Romo for Monday Night Football. first time I heard him, and I think it was during the Saints game, I was in the kitchen cooking, and I heard this dude just, like, diagnosing plays left and right. And I was like, man, who on TV snitching? And my pop started laughing. And I was like, man, who on TV snitching out the plays? Over here ratting, ratting the plays out. And I turned around, I go and sit down and watch the game, and it's Tony Romo. I was like, oh, because I, I kind of put two and two together. Because I heard him mention Sean Payton and the Cowboys. And I was like, yeah, Sean Payton used to coach with the Cowboys. Yeah. I was like, oh, that must be Tony Romo. And sure as hell, it was him. The dude diagnoses plays like when they come to the line. He's like, oh, they're probably going to run this right here. They're probably going to run this quarterback sneak right here. 
Or they probably would go with a single high safety. I'm like, dude, he is. And not only that, but he has this good personality, too. I could see him, like, them offering him big money to do Monday Night Football. Yeah, and you know, the, the other thing I was going to say, if that does happen, hire Romo and fire Booger McFarland. I'm an LSU guy and everything. I, I, I'm, I love my uh, LSU alumni and stuff, but man, Booger. <laughs> I like the better he was just like the sideline dude and they come to him periodically. But, you know, when when uh, Jason wouldn't left, they just like stuck him in there and That guy, he, he's just, he's not good. And, and that, he, he, where he always goes, let's have a look at this, America, or something like that. It's like, dude, you're not Bernie Mac. It's like, he's like acting like Bernie Mac in it when he, when he had the sitcom. That, how are you, America? I mean, just, he's just not good. And yeah, you're right. After Jason Witten, who Jason Witten wasn't even that good, but after he left, <laughs> Booger McFarlane just got even worse. Like I said, because they they increased his role. At first, they would go to they would go to him periodically because he was kind of like what Tony Saragusa would do on uh, Fox. They would go to him on the sideline periodically. They wouldn't stick that mic in front of him, you know, the whole time. So you only got him in little bitty small doses. Now right. you're getting him like go 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 go, and you're like, oh, I don't want any more of this. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it. You know, the sad part is, is that Monday Night Football used to have like the best, like the best play-by-play teams. They haven't had that in years. Oh no, indeed they haven't, man. I remember that, man. I remember those good old days. Yeah, I mean, you had Frank, you had Frank Gifford, you just, I mean, you, the list goes on on the great, great people that they've had do that, but not in a long time. It was in the song. You got Frank and Al and Dan. We're going to get a kick started. Yeah. It was in the day song. Yep. <laughs> uh, those are the glory days. But with that being said, people, we're going to wrap things up. We'll be back next week. Till then, he's Travis T5 Smith. I'm Sean Williams. This has been Variety Bites, and people, we out of here. Cheers. Cheers.